The Voice America Business Channel is brought to you by Intercall, the worldwide conferencing leader. Check out easy and reliable conferencing solutions at www.intercall.com forward slash radio. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good day, and welcome to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by www.us.cision.com, whose world-famous Bacon's Media Database is updated more than 10,000 times per day. Take your PR to the next level. Now, here's your host, Maureen Kettis. Hello, and uh, thanks for tuning in. I have a great guest today. I'm very excited about this because it deals with something that I know a lot of our listeners are into, and it's entrepreneurial, entrepreneurialism. Um, my guest today is the Chief Energi- Energy Officer of EnergizeGrowth.com, and she helps B2B companies grow their customer mind share and market share, and we're going to find out what the difference between those two things are. She's worked with uh, BMC Software. Microsoft, Adobe, Wells Fargo Advisors, and IBM, amongst others. Uh, she's a sought-after speaker, award-winning business columnist, um, a fast company expert blogger, and the author of Energize Growth Now, the Marketing Guide to a Wealthy Company. And, our, and her name is Lisa Norell. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you, Maureen. Good to be here. So um, since I brought it up in the intro, what is the difference between mindshare and market share? What is the definition in your wor- in your world, and what is the difference between those two? Well, my, to me, mindshare and market share have to work hand in glove. A lot of people will focus a lot on marketing and marketing planning and having the right online strategy and offline strategy, and you know the right logo for their organization. And what they forget to look at is how well grounded that strategy is in the company's vision and values. Okay. And so to me, there is really a tight linkage between a company's strategy and vision and their marketing plan. And yet so many of these things are done in silos. And, you know, even to this day, some B2B companies still believe that the responsibility of marketing is the marketing department. <laughs> and it isn't. It's, you know, again, being a contrarian that I am, I believe, as, my, as I lay out in my book, that marketing is the fabric of the organization mm-hmm. and that everyone has a responsibility, a shared responsibility, to share a common view and a common um, message to the outside world, even if it's the person working in the copy center or the CEO. They, have, they all deserve to know what the company stands for and how they communicate their message to the world. So we, we talk a lot about that, about you know, the culture of the, of the brand or the, the, the emotion behind the brand. But what, what is the pitfall? What's wrong with, um, let's say, a CEO or the guy in the copy room who doesn't maybe – um, have the vision of the company, just working there, doing his thing and doing a great job. What's wrong with him not understanding the mind share? 
Well, if the company is not sincerely growth-oriented, then there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, There are plenty of companies, Maureen, that I've come across over the last 28 years that are really very satisfied with growing 3 to 8% a year and having kind of a, a slow and steady pace of growth slightly ahead of the cost of living index. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's their choice. I call those lifestyle businesses, and there is no judgment call on that. However, my, I only work with companies who are sincerely growth-oriented that either want to make a major difference on the planet through their business practices mm-hmm. or want to expand beyond their wildest dreams and, and reach some pretty aggressive goals for themselves and for their community. So... Um, so with those the, extreme growth yeah. companies, how does the why is the vision of the company so important on, to to be a part of every person who works there? Well, you know, I I never profess to have read the Bible, but I love <laughs> the saying in the Bible that says, "Where there is no vision, the people perish." And I think that's true for companies too. I've worked for enough companies where there was no vision. I worked for one company in Connecticut when I was young and foolish. I was only in my early 20s, but I worked for one of the world's first software companies. And the founder was a classic example of someone who was, you know, very, very wide-eyed and very smart, but really had no vision. He had a tool that was really popular and became uh, a real category killer in the world of word processing well before Microsoft Word had even established a foothold. And, you know, he really never shared his vision with the, com- with the uh, employees. His only focus was how do we make as much money as we possibly can in as short of a period as we possibly can. Right, right. And uh, the company was sold for a very hefty price, but very few of us had any loyalty or passion right. when that happened to stay with the company or to see it succeed beyond that date. It's interesting. I went to a lecture uh, with the head of, um, of Trader Joe's. Uh, Fresh and Easy was a client of mine at one point, and I went to hear the Trader Joe's, uh, John Sears, I think, sales, something like that. And he was talking about the, the culture of the company going down to every last person there, and I think that's one of the secrets to their success. Nobody wants to quit. They want to be a part of this bigger. They're not thinking of their next big job. They're thinking, how can I make this job better? So um, you talk a lot about, you know, the definition of, of, of wealthy businesses in your in your work. What What is when – did, when did you notice that, you know, the, the definition of what we would call a wealthy business has changed? When did you start noticing the trend in that? Um, I started noticing the trend back in 2001, and I started to notice that um, people, founders of companies, and as well as the general public, was pushing back on corporations. We started to see the trust factor erode. Companies like WorldCom, Enron, and Adelphia started to make the headlines, and organizations around the world were really being challenged. Um, and they were really being attacked by the media in, a, in many circumstances. And people just, the general distrust for corporations started to really swell at that stage. And con- also colliding with that was my own personal transformation that started to occur. I was working for a very successful software company that had, at 
the time I resigned, it was generating $1.2 billion in mm-hmm. revenues and probably had a gross profit margin in the 85 to 95, 90% range. Oh it was a darling of Wall Street. All right, and so this even, is something we all would have heard of. <laughs> yes. Sure. You, yeah. Well, you can read all about it in Chapter 1 of my book. Okay, <laughs> but, and that's called Energized um, Growth it, it was The Marketing a, Guide to a Wealthy Company. And how do people get that book, actually? Just on your website? Can we buy it on your website? My book is Energize Growth Now, and you can buy it at any bookseller or Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or CEO Read. Okay. So back to this distrust that you started noticing of the big companies. Yes. Well, that was happening, and I said in parallel with my own uh, evolution, is I was noticing that my own definition of wealth started to really shift. I had reached nirvana financially. I had been earning great income. I had, uh, as a a client, I had one of the world's biggest companies as a client. We helped grow that account from $2 million in revenues to $11 million in revenues within the over a two-year period. So here I was, um, you know, spearheading one of the largest accounts for our organization making great money, traveling first class around the world for meetings, having um, just a great experience, learning a lot about technology and my clients and my market. And I was empty inside. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, the song from Peggy Lee, Is That All There Is?, <laughs> was ringing in my ears. And I said, what is, what's going on with this? How is it that I've achieved material success and I have never been more unhappy. And so that's when I really started to dive in and interview and meet with people like Dr. Stephen Covey and uh, studied the work of Dee Hock, which uh, the former founder of Visa and who wrote the book Life in the Chaotic Age. Mm -hmm. And I started to really understand that... um, Business was not the purpose of business, contrary to Peter Drucker, which was to make money, was a, had a much broader and deeper meaning than that. To, and, and it started to really emerge with some leading corporations that I got to interact with. So then, this is where the vision comes in again. So, so the definition has changed of what a wealthy business is. A wealthy business has a strong fiscal core and a strong mindshare core, right? I mean, the, is this what? Right. You're, okay. And, and I actually have discovered that um, through my interviews, and I've now interviewed over 100 CEOs and companies ranging in size from 5 million to many billions in revenue, um, you know, companies as small as iContact in North Carolina, which is um, the CEO there is Ryan Alice, to a company the size of Zappos, which Tony Shea was, uh, is CEO and is now a, a, a division of Amazon. And just by really studying companies um, across multiple industries, uh, I've now re- really recognized that there are an expanded set of criteria that make a company truly wealthy. Wow. And, 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 and what are some of these criteria? Well, I'll give you a couple of them. Um, there are seven in total that I have uncovered, but one of them is this one is especially true for um, companies who are providing expensive services and products to other businesses, and that is that they have to be paid handsomely for the value they deliver. There is a pretty much the 
hours for dollars mindset of advertising agencies, law firms, um, accounting firms, and other organizations that provide services are, are dying quickly. And companies are saying, we don't, you know, we don't feel that it's fair that there's a conflict of interest between your um, wanting to charge us by the hour and rack up as many hours as you can to work with us. We want, we want to partner with somebody. And, you know, if it takes you 20 minutes to solve our problem as opposed to two weeks, that's okay. We'll pay you for the value that you're delivering. And so that one is, you know, a wealthy business and a wealthy organization um, is, is smart about how they use their time and how they express and deliver their value to their clients and their community. So that's one of the, the real ahas that I had through this research and through working with clients. Wow. So you've got you to gotta express your, your value. Um, and, and what is your number two before we go to break? I think we have time for one more of your criteria, if you, have, if you can share with us. Well, the other one is, you, you know, you have, to be to, you have to be able to consistently and confidently express your value to the marketplace. I spent two years speaking to CEO groups around the United States, and, and I'd say, okay, if you just informally got up today and walked around your office and asked people randomly, what is it that our company does? What's our value proposition? Mm-hmm. What, you know, what percentage would, be, would get it right? And the sad story is that about... 80% of them said, you know, very few. If we're lucky, 20 to 30% of our employees can actually express what it is we do and do it in a compelling, consistent way. And that goes right back to what you had said at the beginning about the, the vision of MindShare is <clears throat> sort of the vision of the company and has to go down to every last person. I mean, Absolutely it does because they're your ambassadors. And think of all those people who are on social media outlets like Facebook and Twitter, right. and whether you know it or not, they're saying things about you. So why not help them say the things that are, that are accurate about your organization while they're at it? Being clear about all that. All right, well, we're going to have to uh, stop and take a break. And, and when we come back, can we, can we get some more of these criteria, or are they top secret? I have to buy your Certainly. Book. All right, Certainly. we're going to come back with more from Lisa Norell of Energize Growth. Check out her website, too. It's energizegrowth.com. And we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between, 
Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at vertexpr.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. What is whole person healing via body, via mind, and via spirit? It's a dedication to the widest selection of healing practices worldwide whenever possible. Hosted by Professor Rustin Roy, a noted material scientist and the founder of Friends of Health, who will be here each weekend with the most in-depth information about whole person healing from the world's leading practitioners, spokespersons, and major supporters for this viewpoint. Tune in every Saturday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis, brought to you by Cision on the web at us.cision.com. Maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to Maureen at prinsider.biz. That's Maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show. Welcome back again, and I'm on with Lisa Norell from EnergizeGrowth.com. She's the author of Energize Growth Now, the marketing guide to a wealthy company. And we're, we're discussing, you know, sort of what a wealthy company is, and she has seven criteria that over her years of experience she's um, noticed. And we're on to uh, criteria number three. We talked, the first one was, um, well, go ahead, you can summarize them, the first one and the second one. Well, the first two that we've talked about were, one, you're paid handsomely for the value that you deliver. Second is you consistently and confidently express and demonstrate your value to the market. And the word you is the plural you. Everyone in your organization, as well as your business partners, referral sources, and trusted advisors should be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And the third one that I came across is really the continuous focus on innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, that came out very loud and clear is that companies that really are thriving in this very volatile economy are able to experiment with new ideas, new products, and new services. And when they work, great. If they don't, they fail fast and they move on. And I think social media and um, on all the online marketing methods available to us today can help us really float things up the flagpole very easily to see how they'll be accepted by the market. And um, we should find ways to leverage those tools and technologies wherever we can. Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, number four? Number four is focusing on business endeavors that educate and inspire other people. I mean, people even in a very commoditized industry, such as, let's say, recycling centers or a... a an accountancy firm, to me and from what I've learned from my interviews with so many CEOs is that your job is not to deliver a service. That is 
that's expected. You know, that's, that's the undermining assumption at this point. The real opportunity to step it up is where you become the go-to source, the trusted, knowledgeable source in your field, and you educate and inspire other people around your area of expertise. Much like what you're doing here, Maureen, with this PR Insider show, um, you know, you're now perceived as the go-to person when it comes to all things public relations related, right? I am. <laughs> yes. I need to be paid more handsomely for that. <laughs> Now's the time to ask for a raise. I'm expressing it to my marketplace right here. That's it. <laughs> We're innovative. <laughs> I'm inspiring and educating. Okay. All right. Great. Yes. I mean, you, yes. You, so it's like finding your, 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 your expertise and your niche in that. Okay, and the and the and the what are we on? One, two, three, four. Okay, and the fifth one. The fifth one is your business endeavors honor and respect the natural environment. Now, the sustainable the sustain the sustainability movement has been happening now for years, and I know that's no big revelation to anyone. However, the, as I watch the younger generation, I'm noticing that their criteria for the best places to work are organizations that have some commitment to their communities and making the world a better place. So if you look at some of the younger people that are now in the workforce, people in their 20s and early 30s, they're saying, you know, I want a job that has meaning. I don't need the job that pays the highest salary. And that's what we're seeing as a shift in, in, the, in the world right now. And I also think there are some great examples of that if you look at what Jeff, the founder of Seventh Generation, has done, Jeffrey Hollander. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that Seventh Generation manufactures paper goods, uh, personal hygiene products, and cleaning products is secondary to the mission that he has to make the world a safer place to live and to really leave it a better place for the next generation. Right, right. And we were so, we were know, talking about on the break. I mean, uh, you know, I do another show called On Paper Series. I don't know if Voice America is going to scream at me for it's not a show; it's a podcast, and um, it's for the world's largest paper coated paper company. They're called New Page, and they are very interested in having zero waste. And so we interview all these top uh, CEOs in sustainability for these major major companies. And it's true. I think it goes back to what you said in the beginning. It's all about the vision, the message, the culture, the emotion, whatever you want to call it, of the company, the mind share of the company. And I think that really is important. People want to feel good about where they're working, and they'll stay more devoted and on message. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. I'm, I'm surprised that's one of your, one of your criteria, but that's very cool. Okay, next. And, and these oh. are, by the way, I want to stress that these are not my criteria. These are the trends and the patterns that I discovered after – having run my own business now for going on nine years and having interviewed so many of these companies and the CEOs who are running successful companies who whom have weathered the storms of our economic maelstroms we've experienced lately. So I'm, I'm really, I've been inspired by learning from them. Um, number six is that you have enough of the right clients so in other words, you know who your perfect clients are, you can explain to other people who your perfect clients are, and you can market to them in a very authentic, systematic way. Think of all the people you've come across, Maureen, that 
are really excellent at what they do, and the only time they consider investing in marketing is when their business is slowing down. <laughs> yes. That is the worst time to be investing in marketing. The best time to be investing in marketing is when your company is doing well and you want to capitalize on that success. Right. And much like sales is a system and a process, marketing needs to be a system and a process in your organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm working right now with a client in South Florida. Their biggest competitor has 75% market share. But they said, here's the good news. Our biggest competitor is cratering right now because they're not investing in their people. Their marketing strategy is to just provide the lowest price possible, even if it means their quality is going to suffer greatly. And they're losing customers left and right. So they're bleeding cash very, very quickly. So we are going to now invest even more money in marketing so we can go forward, clearly express our brand, attract even more great clients, and seize potential business from them. Does, does, does knowing, you know, getting, having enough of the right client, is that sort of the same as also, does that fall into like the social media stuff or listening to your client and, and knowing your client? I mean, is that, does that fall under that? Oh, most definitely. Now, if I were Steve Jobs, uh, I might say something different. But one of the things that has really surprised me is that in watching an interview with Steve Jobs, he vehemently um, opposed the value of focus groups where you're expected to listen to your customers and validate some ideas you may have about new products and services. So Apple is a bit of an enigma in this model. Um, and one of these days I look forward to interviewing Steve and finding out what he meant with that comment. But I am a believer in listening to your customers. I just did a three-part series of articles for Fast Company on the incredible value of customer advisory boards. Mm -hmm. And they can be a tremendous wellspring of ideas and knowledge for new products, services, and, and innovations for your organization. And, um, again, a, it's a great strategy for people who want to get serious about customer-centric marketing and, cult- and building a customer-centric culture. Yeah, I'm surprised. And, you know, but, but, but Apple seems to have such a strong, I mean, has an incredibly strong culture, vision, mind share. So I know. He feels that way. It's sort of shocking. Well, my guess is that Apple has other strategies in play that they just value more than focus groups to really get their finger on the pulse of of what their customers want and, more importantly, what their customers need. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so number seven of our of your criteria that you've noticed. The wealthy companies provide their shareholders, their investors, and their employees enough time for family, friends, and personal growth. Oh, <laughs> that's great. And, you know, I spent some time with Chip Conley, the uh, founder of Joie de Vivre Hotels out of San Francisco, and, uh-huh. and they have a whole host of, of programs in place to make sure that their people have time off to participate in their community projects and... Um, Zappos is another great example. I, when I visited Tony Shea's or, uh, company down in um, 
Henderson, Nevada, every Friday they have some kind of celebration or parade or some kind of uh, some kind of wacky fun event just to get their people out of their cubicles, moving around, and most importantly, socializing with people in other departments so that they minimize any turf building or um, ego gratification that goes with some, you know, people feeling separate from other departments or groups. Or blame or whatever, whatever goes on at those big, that's amazing. Yeah, and that goes, you know, that goes back to sort of, or you're talking about, um, you know, helping, you know, the sustainability, it's about the community. I mean, sustainability is about the environment, but it's also about the community, and that's also a sense of community in a way. It ties into that. Very interesting. Well, you know, this is this only took me 28 years to learn. So oh, is I'm that it? <laughs> I'm hoping it takes our listeners less time. Um, and that is that without a str- – I don't know where I would be without my community. I I don't care how smart someone is or what a great product or service they have. Um, without that foundation to build around us, to support us, to help us get up and wipe ourselves, wipe our shoulder off when we've gotten dirt on it, you know, to, just to be able to help us mm-hmm. feel confident to move forward, it, none of it's worth it. Right. Yeah, and that's what that's what you were missing when you said you were, you know, you were in the greatest position in your life. Uh, career-wise, but you were unhappy. You were missing that, you know, the vision of the brand, the whatever you want to call it, right? I mean, you were missing that sort of having that feeling. Well, there really wasn't much of a community in the company. We were all virtual employees, mm-hmm. and the focus was very clear. It was a publicly traded company, and our job was to generate lots of revenue mm-hmm. and help the share price grow. Right. And there's, no, again, nothing wrong or bad with that, right. but it wasn't enough to fuel my passion and for me to feel creative and fulfilled. So it's, I had to, interesting I had to move noticed, on. Notice, sorry to interrupt, but it's interesting you noticed the trend shift in 2001 because if you think of like the late 80s and 90s, it was all about greed and building wealth and it sort of almost mushroomed and collapsed and, now, and then people wanted something more, something more meaningful. It's very, very, I think that's the timing of it is very interesting. Well, so, absolutely. I mean, again, the other thing that took me 24 years to learn is that money and wealth are not the same. Right, right. So the definition of a wealthy company includes the mind share, having the vision, and having the culture behind the company. Wonderful. Well, my right, recommendation we're gonna, we're gonna have to is that it and, contains hey. all seven of these wealth quotient components. Right, right. All right, we're going to stop and take another break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to um, Lisa Norell to see how she, in her own business, lives up to some of these criteria. We'll be back after a word from our sponsor. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between. Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. You want to know the inside scoop on how today's leaders do business? How they hire and develop top talent? How do they retain top employees and customers? Tune in to Leadership Leverage on the Voice America Business Channel. Every week, Dr. Robert Denker will offer ideals and facilitate discussion with guests that will help shape today's up-and-coming leaders as well as established leaders in their fields. Listen for Leadership Leverage every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to PR Insider with your host Maureen Kettis, brought to you by Cision on the web at us.cision.com. Maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show. Please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to Maureen at prinsider.biz. That's Maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show. Welcome back again, and I'm on with Lisa Norell. She's the Chief Energy Officer of Energize Growth. You can see her website, energizegrowth.com, and get her book. It's called Energize Growth Now, the Marketing Guide to a Wealthy Company, and I, evidently she has like 35 amazing reviews on Amazon. Uh, Lisa, welcome back again. Thank you. So um, in terms of yourself, how do you uh, implement for your business Energize Growth? How do you implement some of these criteria to make into your own business with dealing with your clients? Well, when I deal with, uh, with new clients, one of the first things I do that I, I clear the air with them and I let them know I am a professional services firm and I have a, a somewhat unusual business model. I'd like to share it with you and I, I walk them through it. I let them know that my fees are not based on an hourly rate they reflect the value that I am going to deliver to them so that they get a very strong return on investment and that I'm handsomely compensated. And I let them know that um, that's how partners collaborate with each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, for them, it's very refreshing. I was speaking today with um, a CEO down in, uh, in the South, and I said, why are you even talking to me? Uh, you know, what's the... What's the appeal to the work that I do? And he said, well, he said, first of all, we know you're not an advertising agency. And he says, I'm tired of talking with ad agencies who are motivated to 
rack up lots of hourly billing with us and force us to completely revamp our brand and our image by charging us for printing and new business cards and other things. And he says, I get that you're not really in that business. And I said, no, I'm really not. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I don't want my clients to ever feel like the meter is running every single time they pick up the telephone. So what do you do for clients? What, what is your, you said one of your criteria is knowing who your, the right client and who your ideal client is. So who is your ideal client and, and what do you do for them? And how do you measure the ROI? Well, every client's different. Um, my work is primarily consulting and, you know, that's delivered through workshops. Sometimes it's mentoring and sometimes it's um, some ad hoc needs that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, people can always go to energizegrowth.com, and I have some actual success stories and case studies there that people can listen to or li- actually listen to, watch, or read. Um, I like multimedia, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah. And I actually I help pe- I want people to self-select, so I have a section called Whom We Work With. Mm-hmm. and um, it, it, it starts off with, does this sound like you? Mm-hmm. And it describes in bullet points, you'll be, you, know, we, you will benefit from our resources, products, and services if you fulfill some of these criteria. Mm-hmm. And so then I go through that, and, and some people will say, oh, that really resonates with me, and other people will say, mm, that really is not me. Mm-hmm. So that's how I want to help them understand what my strengths are. And then if I'm not a good fit for them, um, I, I commit to refer them on to a firm that would be more appropriate. Right. And how do, they, how do you um, justify the return on investment? How do you, when you say you're handsomely compensated and not afraid to say it up front, how do, you, how do they measure their ROI with you? Well, um, I talk a lot about leading indicators and trailing indicators in my book. Mm-hmm. And I actually have an article on my website that people can download for free about this very same thing. So um, if anyone wants that article, they can just email me at lisa at energizegrowth.com, and I'll send that to them. And really, when I'm working with clients, my purpose is to improve their condition. And for every client, depending on where they are in their stage of growth, that condition will be different. Mm-hmm. If it's a company that's, say, under $20 million in revenues, chances are their number one focus right now is to get as many customers or clients as they possibly can that won't break the bank for them. Mm-hmm. So they're looking for those marquee customers early on that will become their evangelists going forward. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have a different set of success criteria than, say, a company that's, million in revenues and is just in the process of improving and tweaking their processes so they can be more effective with the the resources they have. So the criteria will change. One of the things I always do, though, is I always look for um, and, and press the client on, well, how will people be acting differently as a result of your changing your strategic marketing plan? or you're re- revamping and, or revising and refreshing the customer-centric culture that you, you are designing. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, what are you listening for? How will I know it when I've tripped over it? And, you know, so if they say things like, well, our meetings will run smoother, well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, and we just keep digging and listen for those, some of those behavioral changes right. that will ultimately, lead, ultimately mm-hmm. lead to some changes in their, either their bottom line or their top line growth. Right, right. So um, how, how do some companies, you know, they know they, they've read this, they've listened to you, they've gone to this lecture, you know, these CEOs, they have a lot on their play, right? And then they actually kind of get stuck and they can't implement. What, what causes that? What causes them to not be able to actually implement taking that step in the right direction? Right. Well, usually I find there are three major reasons. Mm-hmm. And the first one, you know, um, Wordsworth once said that habits rule the unreflecting herd. And the first one, is the first habit that I think gets in the way of us because we're just human beings is what I call shiny penny syndrome. And many of us who may be listening to this conversation realize that we may be great entrepreneurs and we're great starters, we may not be the best finishers. Mm-hmm. Many of us listening are probably incredibly creative beings. And along with that comes the burden of knowing we also get bored very easily and we don't like to finish things. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was, uh, I, I grew up in Connecticut, Maureen, and my parents sent me to a private Catholic school and I had to walk from school to my mom's place of work afterwards. And so I'd have about a mile walk to her, her boutique where she was working. And I remember very clearly that I loved playing a game with myself where I would walk along the sidewalk in Connecticut in Winstead and I would look on the sidewalk for shiny pennies. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I never found quarters. I only found pennies and dimes and nickels. But um, <laughs> one time I was so busy looking for the coin that, I came across and almost hit my head on a lamppost. <laughs> so, <laughs> so in a lot of ways, many of us run our businesses like we did when we were kids looking for those coins on the sidewalk. Right. You still want that, you still want that, aha, you know, that little moment of... <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. Funny. So we have to find a way to surround ourselves with people who are finishers that can keep us on track and say... Hello, Lisa. You're, you know, you're, you're not focusing here on the right thing. Or we promised and committed to this, so we need to do something about it. What's the hardest? What's or the toughest uh, planning principle for people to implement? Again, um, the planning principle that we haven't really gone over those today, but um, I think one of the key things to that to get in people's way is their lack of accountability. Um, really, I, I had a client in the Los Angeles area, and she had a successful business, but she was re- her mindset was really getting in her way. She was finding that um, she would start projects or she would start she would put some marketing strategies in place, and then they would just kind of fizzle out. Mm-hmm. And what what we realized is that she did not have any accountability in place or follow through. So it was easy for her to skip over certain things that she committed to. So once I kind of became her accountability partner and helped her build a growth plan and get it in writing, she had to share it with her whole team. 
she saw her revenues triple within three years. Wow. And she started to have this sense that I'm not only accountable to Lisa, but now I'm accountable to my whole team. I better do this well. Wow. And so the, the lack of accountability is, is very common, especially in, in more entrepreneurial businesses where you, you're not accountable to venture capitalists or a board or, um, you know, or the public markets. And, and the fact that, that, that sort of the, the, the succeed-fail ratio is you know, a reflection on them, people still don't feel accountable? Um, say the question again. Well, you know, pe- people don't feel accountable even though th- if they're an entrepreneur, whether the company fails or succeeds, is all, the onus is on them, they, but they, yet they still don't feel accountable because they don't have to answer to anybody. Is that what you're saying? Right. Wow. Well, again, if, if it's a privately held company and they don't have a heavy set of investors that are watching out for them or that are sitting on their board also playing the role of accountability partners, it's very easy to run and hide and, and come up with excuses like, well, I'm sorry, I'm too busy fixing this customer problem that just came up, so I really can't focus on growing my business or doing any strategic planning or um, uh, putting together my hiring plan for next year or whatever the case may be. Wow. And does, does, does this... Uh, these principles apply to, to solo entrepreneurs, or is it just the CEOs of large companies? Or would this apply? To, I mean, if you were by yourself, would this sort of apply to to you? I I think that from what people are telling me about my book, Energize Growth Now, they're saying that uh, I'm getting feedback from people um, all around the world and ranging uh, people that I never expected would see value in this book, and. I spoke. I was asked to speak and do a book signing to a group of um, real estate professionals a couple of months ago, and I was just really honored that they they saw so much value in this. And I went. I set out to write this book for companies in the ten million to five hundred million dollar range of revenues, and then. Lo and behold, some other people came out of the woodwork and said, well, this is applying to me, too. So I wow. was, you know, you never really know where where the book's going to land and how it's going to sing to people. Right. Well, we'll be right back with Lisa Norell of EnergizeGrowth.com and the author of Energize Growth Now, The Marketing Guide to a Wealthy Company. We'll be back in a moment. markets up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network
Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between, Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you're listening to pr insider with your host maureen kettis brought to you by cision on the web at us.cision.com maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to maureen at prinsider.biz. That's maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show. Welcome back again, and I've been talking with Lisa Norell, uh, the Chief Energy Officer, I love that, of Energized Growth. Uh, go to her website, energizedgrowth.com. It's chock full of information and, um, and, and lots of case studies. So, um, Lisa, why are most business owners or many business owners far from energized when it comes to marketing and planning? Why are they reluctant? Well, marketing and planning... For the audiences that I serve, they just they don't come naturally to most people. Think of all the people you know, even in the business-to-business sector, who are some of the best attorneys, accountants, architects, mm-hmm. and PR people that you know, who are fantastic at what they do, mm-hmm. but have no system to either project in the future the future they want to create, or have a a written system to help them know what they're supposed to be working on to grow the business. And is there an amount that you tell them, a percentage like, you know, 5% of gross or 3% of net or that should be spent on marketing efforts? Is, is, there, um, is there a figure? There are all kinds of figures out there. But, you know, being the contrarian that I am, I say we have to look at where that, where that company is and what the vision of the owner is. I mentioned earlier in the interview that there are companies out there that are perfectly happy running a lifestyle business. If they only want to grow 3 to 7% a year, then their marketing investment may be significantly different than those who want to grow, experience double-digit growth. Right, right. So a lot of it's going to depend on that, and a lot of it will also depend on um, their marketplace and what strategies, marketing strategies, are most effective for that particular market. Well, um, do you have um, some case studies that you can share with us? I mean, I always get so fascinated with the actual examples of the actual work you've done. So how did, how, 
you know, how you deliver value to some, some of your favorites. Well, one of my favorites is a client in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and um, the CEO saw me speak at a conference in, outside of Philadelphia a few years ago, and we stayed in touch, and he really enjoyed my talk. And he contacted me, and he said, um, I think I need your help because my people are not communicating very well. And I thought to myself, well, I'm not a language person. I'm not a communications expert, but let's talk further. Well, what we found out is that he had a team of about 100 really, really smart engineers. They were excellent at what they did, but he couldn't for the life of him understand why it took them sometimes years to implement changes in their marketing approach, in how they served their customers, how they approached project management. It was just a mess. He said it was just a train wreck. And one of their biggest clients that was generating over a million dollars in revenues for them was threatening to leave them if they didn't figure out how to fix these issues. The board was breathing down his neck because they were wanting to invest in his firm further. You know, they wanted to further invest in growing the firm into South Asia, but they, could, they didn't see a, a clear way that the company could grow without these major hiccups. So we helped them, for the first time in their 18 years, develop a growth plan that everybody could read and understand, that was short and sweet, and that laid out the five biggest priorities for the coming year. So within that time, they found that collection times on their biggest customers went from 75 days down to 45 days. They were featured in Inc. Magazine on their innovative cash management strategies, and they rebranded to the point where everybody on the team could explain who they worked with and what their message was in the marketplace. Right. And I just, I just talked to their VP of sales and marketing a few months ago, and he said that in a down market, they grew 25% year over year in top-line revenues. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Wow, we need to get your book. <laughs> you have another case study you can share with us? We're getting close to the end, but I want to. I love these stories. Well, I also worked with a software company in the Bay Area that was ultimately sold to a larger ERP software firm, um, or I should say a supply chain uh, firm. Um, and when I started working with them, they didn't have any roadmap for how they would win sales, how they would... Um, set a strategy to go after their major accounts and identify the tactics they needed to close sales. Mm -hmm. So they, within the first year, grew their sales by over 100%. And then they were sold for at least triple their revenues to uh, this large software company that I described earlier. So it was a very exciting time to be part of that. And, again, I have to give the credit to the executives who hired our firm because they were really growth-oriented, they were, they're lifelong learners, and they were willing to really take a stand and tell people what we're doing is not working, we need to change it. Right. And they, right. they were willing to take some of the pot shots when, you know, when people pushed back and resisted. So uh, the heroes are, are the clients and the leaders who made this happen. And, and um, what's next for Energize Growth for your business? 
What's next for me? Well, <laughs> I know there's another book in my future. I just uh-huh. don't know what it is yet. But um, I, w- I want to continue traveling globally and speaking to groups of executives uh-huh. who really want to create wealthy, sustainable companies and give them the tools they need. Mm-hmm. And I want to uh, continue to attract the, these kind of great leaders who are setting out to create a company that makes a real difference. So if I can continue to do that and, and collaborate with like-minded people who really see ways, you know, they see their businesses as a way to change the world. If I can continue to do that and collaborate with, with them and with other authors and consultants who have the same vision, then my work is complete. <laughs> And um, and and you know, you don't know what your next book will be, but you certainly uh, are fantastic on the radio, and you could I could see you having your own radio show, even on well, Voice America, you. because it's a great topic. Because I think it's fascinating to hear how you basically come in. You're like a you're almost like a psychologist, and you come in and you look at what's missing and what's wrong, and then you take them through these very specific steps and uh, fix it, and it's just, it's, it's, it's really a, a unique gift. Um, well, thank you, and one quick thing I'll mention, yeah. too, is a number of my clients and readers are not broken. They're fantastic at what they do. They just want to raise the bar and improve, their, and improve where they're at. So those are some of my favorite clients to work with as well. Great, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, and you can get her book at energizegrowth.com or on Amazon. Dot com as well. It's called Energize Growth Now, The Marketing Guide to a Wealthy Company by Lisa Norell. Lisa, thanks for being on the show today. And um, this show will run again uh, 12 hours from now, and it's archived 24-7. It's available anytime. And um, we're going to take a break. I mean, we're, excuse me, we're going to end the show. And I want to thank um, my fill-in engineer today, Matt Widener, and my executive producer, John Missile. Justin's off today. And mark your calendars. We're on live every Friday, 1 p.m. And don't forget, relate to your public, whoever they may be. Thanks again for listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by Cision, helping communications experts navigate the sea of social media. Visit them on the web at us.cision.com. And make sure you join us again next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Have a great week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management